Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at Fifth Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. As you are seated, let me welcome you here again. My name is Brant. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ City Church, and it's my joy to to welcome all of you into our uh, time together celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, just a reminder, if you are wondering where the kids ministry program is, uh, today we've paused it. Today we're going to have a little bit of a different thing. We're all together. We're going to have a, a shorter message. We're going to watch the, the video testimonies of all those who will be baptized later today at 2 p.m. at Kitts Beach. Uh, there will be 11 baptisms that will be happening down there today. Um, so if you have time at 2 p.m., please come down. It will be a wonderful, wonderful time together. We can worship uh, the Lord uh, together and just rejoice in what he's doing to bring new life. So make note of that. Uh, come down. Um, a couple of things to bring to your attention, though, just by way of announcements. Uh, at the Connect table out back, there's uh, people who will be there after the gathering who would love to help you understand a bit more about who we are as Christ City Church and get you connected uh, with things that are happening in the church if you'd like to find out more, or even help you to fill out a Connect card uh, to let us know how we can be praying for you and how we can support you uh, in this season. Um, there's just a couple of other things that I want to let you know about. Uh, one is that we also have a ministry called 1018 that you can find out more about at the Connect Desk if you have any needs in this time in your life. We'd love to, to be a, a resource to help and to serve you in this time. But with that said, we are going to look at our sermon this morning, which comes from the passage that Parker read for us earlier uh, in this gathering. Um, but before we look at the sermon together, I want to ask that you would pray with me. Uh, because for us to hear this word from God and to have it impact our hearts and change our lives by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he's got to work. He's got to work in us. And we're going to pray together that that would happen. So let's pray together now. God, we come to you, and we come in the confidence that you are a God who loves us. We come in the confidence that you are a God who has shown your great love for us by sending Jesus to die in our place and for our sins, so that he'd be raised on the third day and that we would be raised together with him into eternal life. God, we ask that you would work now through your word through the testimonies that we'll watch in a minute, to just push forward and press into us the life of Jesus, that we'd receive it and rejoice in it and celebrate and, and find new life in him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christ City, he is risen. We're going to go through that a lot in this message and time together. So just know that when I say he is risen, you can be quick to, the, to jump in there with he is risen indeed. We're going to have a bit of a response uh, throughout. He is risen indeed. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God. 
We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because the resurrection of Jesus shows us and displays the unstoppable power of God in his love and in his life overturning the world of sin and suffering and darkness that we experience every single day. There is a victory that we celebrate. It reminds me of something. It reminds me of my favorite thing to do in the summertime. Uh, Some of you may know that one of my favorite things to do in the summertime is to go down to one of our many beaches in Vancouver and to build a sandcastle with my kids. But as some of you know, I don't build small sandcastles. I like to jettison the small plastic dollar store spades and replace them with real shovels, you know, big shovels for digging ditches and to pile mounds of sand, people size mounds of sand that we will then turn into a castle and we will dig a moat and we will build a wall and we will try to stand firm against the onslaught of the Vancouver tide. But we've never won. We've never won. The power of that unstoppable tide has won every time. No matter how hard and how carefully we construct that wall and that moat to keep the waters out, it advances. And then it presses through and washes over this giant mound and over the holes and the divots until the next day, that beach is restored. It's like I was never there. As the tide comes. See, Christ City, the good news of the resurrection that we celebrate today on Easter Sunday is that God's love is like a mighty tide. And wherever we've dug ourselves deep into our sorrows and our pain, wherever we have dug ourselves deep and the stain of sin is stuck in us, where our hearts break under the weight of suffering and sorrow and death, The resurrection of Jesus teaches us that God is a God who loves us. That God is a God who will not rest until he has filled this world with his life and with his love and with his renewal of all things. Look at our passage with me to see the unstoppable power of the life and the love of God. Our passage that we've read, it starts first with a futile effort like that moat and like that wall I'd build in the sand to keep out the tide of God's love and of his life. You can see it in Matthew 27, 62 to 66. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and they said, sir, we remember how that imposter said, well, he was still alive. After three days, I will rise. Therefore, Order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Grace City, what can you do to keep Jesus in his grave? What can you do to keep Jesus in his grave? That's the question the religious leaders are trying to answer in this passage. 
And of course, they didn't believe that he'd actually rise physically. They weren't concerned about that. They were just concerned with the lying rumors of body-snatching disciples that might filter out, and they wanted to keep even that completely quenched so that Jesus would stay in the grave. So they carefully prepared for body-snatching lies, and they set up Roman soldiers outside the tomb. They placed a large stone. This is a big stone, by the way. I don't know how you think of the ancient ancient tombs in the ancient world, but we're talking about an enormous stone that was rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb so that once it was in place, it was sealed shut forever, keeping grave robbers out. But nothing they could do could keep Jesus in. See, their futile efforts could not hold back God from raising Jesus to life. You can't build a sand wall and a sand moat strong enough to keep out the tide of God's life and his love. And this is such good news for us. This is good news for you, no matter where you're at this morning. It's good news because we're not that different than the religious leaders. They tried to keep God in his place. Put God in the tomb and keep him there. It won't bother us anymore. We'll find happiness over here in living free from the claims of Jesus Christ. But I think that there's a lot of ways that in our own lives, we do the same thing. How often have we tried to say, God, you stay over here. You stay over here and I'm going to live over here where your claims over my life can't touch me. Where I'll be happy away from you. Where I am pursuing my own pleasure, my own money, my own power, my own fame. Those things, they'll make me happy like I want to be happy. Like the religious leaders wanted to be happy apart from Jesus. But friends, has it worked? Has putting God in his place, trying to find your happiness apart from, has it worked in your life? Are you, in fact, happy? Have you found life? The good news about Jesus is that in his mercy, God is a compassionate and loving God who pursues us even when we run from him. Who pursues us with this tidal wave of love in life, even when we're running the other direction. And we know that because earlier in the story of the gospel, we know there is Good Friday that happens before Easter Sunday. We know that in his compassion love for us, God pursued us even that when that meant that before he would be resurrected, God himself would have to die. Would have to take on human flesh, become human in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, to die for us. John three sixteen to 17 shows us this love of God and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He doesn't want us 
to be condemned. Jesus came that we would live to be saved through him. See, friends, the bad news is that in the perfect justice of God, our sins deserve death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible teaches. But in his perfect love, God has chosen, God himself has chosen to be judged in our place. And Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he willingly substituted his life for our life. His blood for our blood so that we might be healed and restored, forgiven and made pure. 1 John 1.7 says, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. You see, just like that, that tide, it comes up the beach and it rises and it washes away all that I'd put there. So the blood of Jesus rises up the beach of our lives and we trust in him and it repairs the divots and the dents and the mounds that we've dug that have filled our lives with suffering and with sin that have broken us. And as that wave of the love of God recedes from us, the beach is restored. We're washed clean. We're made pure by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. So his death, it was the first step to bring us life, but it was not the final step. Because on the third day, he was raised. We say Friday is good because Sunday was coming. On the third day, Jesus was raised and he was resurrected to life. And by his life, he gives eternal life to all who come to him to be saved. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen Look at Matthew 28, 1 to 6 with me and marvel at Jesus and his resurrection life. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The story goes, Mary and the other Mary, they go to the tomb before dawn, it's still dark. They, they're just longing for Jesus, love Jesus, are full of sorrow, and yet are the most courageous of all of Jesus' disciples <laughs> to go to this tomb. And they're armed with 75 pounds, that's 34 kilograms of spices. And the spices were to embalm the body of Jesus to try to keep back the stench of death from coming through that tomb and, and overwhelming them, they were going to embalm him with this spice. But the unstoppable power of God's love and life, it laughs at decay the same way it laughs at soldiers and stones. And as these two courageous and sorrowful women approach the tomb, there's an earthquake 
And an angel of the Lord descends and rolls back the stone. The guards fall over in their fear. And the angel addresses not the guards who opposed Jesus, but the women who came there out of their love for Jesus. And the angel says, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Grace City, the words of the angel to the woman can be the words of the angel to us. For us who put our faith and our trust in Jesus, hear the words, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. He is risen. risen Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. And did you notice that the angel said, he has risen as he said? That's interesting, isn't it? Grace City, death wasn't a surprise for Jesus. And neither was his resurrection. Actually, three times Matthew records Jesus saying that he would have to die and three days later rise. Matthew records Jesus saying that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Matthew chapter 17, verse 23. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. And that means, this is such incredible news for us. It means that this was all part of Jesus' plan. And that means that not even the most terrifying moments for the disciples when the sky was going dark and everything seemed like it was chaos and all was lost, at no point in time was any of that outside of Jesus' control. It was part of Jesus' plan to die in the place of sinners. And it was his plan to be raised by the mighty power of God as the victor over Satan and sin and death in order to bring eternal life and freedom from sin to all who follow him. The problem was just that his followers didn't believe it. His followers couldn't believe the words that Jesus said. So the angels, the angel reminds them. He has risen, as he said. And now the women who are the first to witness Jesus' promise of victory come true, they're given this precious mission. Go and tell the disciples. The mission that we know from the end of Matthew's gospel is our mission. Go and make disciples. Go and continue telling others about Jesus. And look what the angel says in verse 7 to them. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Isn't that interesting? As they leave, as they go, they have two emotions filling their heart. Have you ever experienced two emotions filling your heart? kind of the confusing mix of of more than one thing at the same time. Here, the women experience fear and great joy. 
fear and great joy. Fear, I think, because the resurrection of Jesus is truly awesome in its power. It's just awesome in its power. It's like that tie. Nothing can hold it back. It's going to come anyway. And the resurrection means that Jesus then is exalted in victory, that this world is his. He will have the victory. And for all who oppose him, that's bad news because opposing Jesus will fail. It's cause for trembling. But it's also great joy because Jesus' victory over sin and death is good news for everyone who accepts his love and his life and his salvation. For them, the tide of God's love, it only lifts them up higher and higher and higher into the infinity of God's love and his life for them. Friends, Jesus loves you. God loves you. And he doesn't want you crushed by the waves of his victory. He wants you buoyed up by the waves of his love and his mercy. And when we receive his love and salvation, we love him in return. To meet Jesus is to be changed by Jesus. Where our hearts move differently, where rather than oppose him, say, God, you stay over there. We want nothing more than to to know the fullness of life that comes from following Jesus. We want to be like these women who fall at the feet of Jesus in worship. Look at verses 9 to 10. And behold, they turn around. How surprising is this? They start to go to obey the, the angels. And Jesus meets them and he says, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. These women who love Jesus, now seeing the resurrected Jesus in person, in the flesh, falling at his feet in love and adoration and worship. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Again, an assurance, don't be afraid. This is good news of God's love and his life. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You can't stop the tide of God's love and his life. And the good news is that this message, it hasn't stopped back in the first century. It's continued to go on for 2,000 years. As the resurrection power of Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit brings life to us, to real people, us sitting here as we trust in Jesus Christ. This message has gone forward, and even today, it's bringing forth life. It's what we're going to celebrate at our time of baptisms at 2 p.m. It's what we're going to celebrate now as we hear no more words from me, but words from people who've just met Jesus. We're going to look at these testimonies. We're going to celebrate how the resurrection of Jesus is still making a difference today. Won't you watch those videos with me? My life before Jesus was really this feeling of searching for some kind of meaning in life, really feeling lost, not having any sort of figure that I could look up to, and really just a bad outlook on myself and and life in general. I had a dream where God spoke to me and he said that I'm going to show you a path, but it's up to you what you do with that. I woke up that morning and 
had this overwhelming urge to get my hands on a Bible. I really couldn't believe it. It was a bit out of character because throughout my whole life I had sort of a bad look on Christianity and I ended up downloading the Bible. I read the book of Matthew and that book was giving me so many answers. I was feeling these things that I was longing for in life just getting answered in this peace in my heart. I really couldn't believe it. Shortly after that, a couple days later, I go to Christ City to church. That morning, uh, I was just met with overwhelming love from everybody at the church. There was a few coincidences happening. Some text that was I was obsessed over was appearing on the projector. But most of all, I felt love in my heart that was coming from God for the first time ever. And in that moment, I knew that God existed. It was a love like I've never felt before. Life now, I mean, it's just been an incredible journey. I find that every single week, almost every single day, there's something new that God is showing me. And now I have this feeling that, hey, if God can forgive me, maybe I can forgive others as well. And maybe if God can love me, maybe I can love others as well. So I want to be baptized uh, to really symbolize my old self dying and the new self that emerged through God's love is here now to stay. And so the baptism, I feel like, symbolizes that perfectly. And I, I just want to proclaim to the world that God is real and God does love every single one of you. And if you are going to knock at the door, he will let you in. I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I didn't have any Christian friends. So I didn't know God and I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. I really felt like I was just in control of my own destiny. If I worked hard, I would get things done. But also I just sometimes felt like I needed, you know, someone but I didn't know who to turn to. I came to Christ at an Alpha session, specifically on the session for prayer. You know, at that time when I was attending Alpha, my husband and I had been trying to have a baby for at least two years, and it was really tough on our marriage, and it was tough on my friendships um, and all aspects of my life. It was just too much for me to bear, so at that session that evening, I said a prayer to God, and I asked Him to forgive my sins, that I would trust in Him, and you know, I would just give up the control. And I immediately just felt this weight lifted off my shoulders and um, I've been following Christ ever since. 10 months after I said the prayer at the Alpha session, um, we were blessed with our baby. We got news that I was pregnant. My son is now three years old and I just know that God is watching out for our family and I'm, I feel really blessed. I want to be baptized because I want to declare my faith in Jesus Christ because He gave up His life for me to have eternal hope. And I want to devote and commit my life for Christ. I grew up in a Christian home and I've always known about Jesus. I've always like believed in Him. I just never wanted to like really like know Him and really like be a Christian. It was over a long period of time that I that I decided I wanted to follow Jesus. It was mostly when I was moving to Vancouver. I really needed somebody to trust and I needed to pray to him like cuz I needed help in that in that time. I really want to know more about him and I feel him in me like helping me through hard times and knowing what to do in certain situations. I want to be baptized because I want to share with everybody that I am a Christian and I want to obey God's commands by being baptized because Jesus is King. 
before uh, knowing about Jesus personally, uh, my life was uh, sinful and I was not honest with uh, lots of things. I was not taught in a proper way and I had lots of questions in my mind. I didn't get chance to uh, get them clarified and I just left as it is. And I was a namesake Christian in my past. Later I don't know uh, when and exactly how I changed but it was gradually changed. I came into Christ. After coming to Canada, uh, here I got a chance uh, to understand the Bible in a correct way through Christ's city. Now I place Jesus Christ uh, first in all my decisions or whatever I do for my family. Now I have hope for the future and I feel like uh, He is walking with me in every single day. I was already baptized when I was baby but now I want to proclaim myself that uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord and He is my Savior. Before I had a personal relationship with Jesus, I would always struggle to listen to my parents and I would always play with my brothers, and I would always want the nearest toy, but I would never be fulfilled. A few years ago, I went to a weekly Bible school called Awana. They would always take time out of their day to tell you about how much God loved you and what he has done for us. I could feel God calling me to be a part of his kingdom. So one day, they asked me if I wanted to be forgiven, and I replied yes. So they prayed with me, and I am a Christian. Now that Jesus is with me, he has helped me sin less, and I have hope. I want to be baptized because I want to show others what Jesus has done for me, and to proclaim that everyone needs a personal relationship with him. I grew up in a Christian home, but Jesus was more of a side thought and not really a big part of my life. I was more idolizing um, my friends and I didn't really think about Jesus or God or what he has done for me. In grade eight, I came to a Christian school where I learned that Jesus isn't just a side thought and that he is supposed to be the top priority and that he is my king and that he died for me on the cross. I definitely take more time to appreciate God and what he has done for me and this leads me to be less anxious and worried so I can live more freely and be more at peace. I want to be baptized because I want to submit my whole life to Jesus and tell the whole world that Jesus is God and that Jesus is King. My life back when I was my teenage years, I hung with all sorts of different people, all sorts of different groups. But the one main thing is that I never felt like I fit into any of those groups. I struggled with um, my identity, my purpose, um, never felt I was good enough. In 2006, I met Janie and she walked with God ever since she was born. The idea of accepting Christ was floating in my mind for the longest time, but it wasn't until I met her that that idea was right in front of my face. So by God's grace, I was, my work put me on an eight month business trip, uh, went to a church there, uh, met up with the pastor, and I realized that I was trying to build up myself to a point where um, God would be pleased with me in order for me to accept Christ, but I realized that that was not the case. And so it was there that the pastor prayed with me and I accepted Christ in faith. Everything that I do uh, in, in life for God is a response to what He has already done for me 
even though I don't deserve it. And I think because of that, there's a, there's a new joy inside of me that I want to just express. And one of the ways to do that is through baptism. Um, it's a celebration of what Christ has done for me, and that's something that I probably should have done a long time ago in my life, but you know, it's about time that I did it now. And yeah, I just want to share that with everyone. I grew up in a Christian home, but I was never really passionate about the Lord or my faith. During the COVID-19 pandemic, I was at home and things were pretty stressful and a lot of uncertainty in the world. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I think I should just turn to Jesus. And I started reading my Bible every day and started encouraging my family to keep reading every day as a family together at the dinner table. And it just started to become a great habit. And I started to have a great passion for Jesus and God. I've just been continually reminded of his presence and what he's done in my life. And I want to keep him at the center of my life. I want to be baptized because I want to proclaim my faith and put all my trust in the Lord as I take the next step in my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I kind of just seeked happiness and relationships because I felt like I couldn't find happiness on my own. And also really like to control how things were. So I like to lose sleep over planning ABC. I want to get this done in a certain timeline. And so, yeah, I think I went through that cycle on over and over and again, and just constantly trying to find happiness. It wasn't until I met my husband, boyfriend at the time, asked me to go to church with him. And so we attended uh, Westside together but at the time, I don't think I was going for the right reasons. I was really just going because he had asked me to go. Um, him and I hit a rough patch in our relationship and I completely lost control. I was upset and I made an attempt um, on my life. And I think at that point I realized I had lost control and I asked my parents to take me to the hospitals just so I could get the help I needed. So it was when I was checking in, waiting in the hallway. For some reason, I just had the sense that I needed to read the Bible. It was really just like God was the only one who could help me. And so after I was discharged, I started going to church with my friend. And I, th I think the messages just hit differently at that time. I was really connecting to the sermons more. And I just think over that process, that's how I really came to know Christ. Life now coming to Jesus, I still like to control my life. But I've come to realize that God's really the one in control. It's his perfect plan, his timing, his way. and. I just have to trust that he's always with me. I can be anxious about anything, but he's still walking side by side with me along the way. I want to be baptized because I want to declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the one who saved me through his merits, not my own, and that I'll be walking with him for the rest of my life. So I grew up in a Christian home with good Christian parents, uh, going to a Christian school and uh, going to church regularly and Christianity felt like a set of rules and obligations to me. And I decided that I didn't want that as part of my life anymore. So when I was 30, I decided to take a trip around the world to find myself. And uh, what I didn't expect was that I would find God as well. Uh, when I was in Thailand, um, I experienced firsthand uh, from talking to refugees from Burma, the suffering that they had to go through. And I think that was the start of a process of realizing that God was bigger than I thought he was, and that God was more than just rules and responsibilities. 
and that opened my eyes to what a world with Christ should would really look like for me. Since coming back to Christ, I've realized the joy that it is to participate in Christ's body, to be part of his church. Life with Christ now is meaningful, deep, and rich. And I can't imagine now living without him in my life. And today, I want to get baptized to celebrate um, who God is, uh, what he means to me, and just to honor him and worship him for all that he is. I have grown up in a Christian home, and they've taught me about Jesus, and so as long as I can remember, I've followed him. Life with Jesus feels fun and exciting and wonderful to learn more about him and find out more ways to love him. My favorite verse is Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 13, because it makes me think of how strong and powerful he is. And the verse is, I looked up and I saw a white horse, and behold, the one on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows by himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. I love Jesus because he died and rose for me, and he loves me, and because you know he's so truthful, and because whenever you believe in him, you don't have to be afraid of anything that's going to happen. I want to be baptized because I want to tell the church that I believe in Jesus and that I commit my life to Jesus and that he is the savior of my life.